Support for X-Ray FM comes from Shebop, a women-owned sex toy boutique specializing in body-safe products, including a diverse and queer-friendly selection of toys, lubricants, books, and online educational workshops. You can order online at shebopthashop.com for curbside pickup or USPS delivery. Get a little different sometimes, but just for the last hour. And once again, here, Christian, please remember that witches and satanic creatures occupy the same marble universe as you. So that's something. And so I put that in a very special show for the last hour of Halloween. Which, as you can hear in the background, no one is interested in. Quiet down, naturally occurring outdoor creatures. So for this final bit of Halloween, yes, I know. No more candy corn. I am bringing you quite literally the witching hour. The evocation of a spirit requires great preparation and care. The magician must know which entity he desires to contact, what planetary sphere it operates in, and finally, what the purpose of the evocation is. This falls into the area of magic known as divination, so you will need, in addition to the other tools, a magical wand of divination, symbolic of your absolute will and power, 
and a crystal ball or magic mirror in which you will capture the image of the spirit being conjured. The wand is made of fruit wood or hazel, 12 to 18 inches long. The gazing crystal or showstone may be of a natural or an optical crystal. It is laid on a black cloth. In place of a crystal ball, a magic mirror may be used with equal advantage. This is simply a concave clock or watch glass, painted black on the convex side. Exercise these with water containing salt and wormwood, incense made of cinnamon, mastic and frankincense. Repeat an incantation of your own, stating your intended purpose for the wand and the showstone. The spirit you will first conjure is the intelligence of the Venus sphere named Hagiel. She is useful to contact in matters of love and luck and success. It is best to carry out this evocation on a Friday at 10 p.m. when the moon is waxing, although Tuesday at midnight is almost as good. Assemble all of your materials well in advance. You'll need pen and ink for writing, some parchment paper, and some special incense composed of cinnamon, rose petals, and coriander seed. A circle nine feet in diameter is laid down around your altar. It can be painted or simply made with chalk or white tape. On the altar will be your magical implements. The showstone or magic mirror is the center surrounded by an equal lateral triangle drawn on the altar top. At either side are the lamps of art or altar candles. Having bathed and put on the magical garments, return to the ceremonial place. Light the candles and charcoal, and at the appointed time, enter the circle and let the ritual begin. Take your athame, and in a clockwise direction, beginning in the east, mentally redraw the circle, visualizing a blue-white fire coming off of the blade leaving a trail of violet flames. Imagine yourself surrounded by a ring of magical light. Do not leave this circle for any reason until the ritual is completely finished. Cast frankincense onto the glowing charcoal and sprinkle water of exorcism in the east, south, west, and north. Next, draw the symbol of Hagiel on a piece of parchment paper. Cast the special incense into the thurible and asperge and fumigate the symbol three times, saying each time, Creature of paper, I name thee Hagiel. Now, with the paper in the left hand and taking the wand in the right, trace the symbol in the smoke of the incense three times, repeating each time, Creature of paper, Thou art Hagiel. Bind the spell with these words, so mote it be. Place this symbol on the altar in front of the showstone and retrace the triangle around it with the athame, mentally communicating your wish for Hagiel to appear there. Place the athame in your belt. Take up the wand of divination in your right hand and move clockwise once around the circle finishing in front of the altar. Raise the wand overhead and evoke 
Hagiel, saying, By Alcolum and Adamil, I conjure thee, Hagiel. Again, circumambulate the circle, and this time say, By Gesa and Gesoa, I conjure thee, Hagiel, bring thy presence into this glass, so that we may behold thy countenance. Circumambulate a last time and say, By Orif and Odumi, I thrice conjure thee, Hagiel, descend and appear, revealing thy secrets, that we may profit from thy great and abundant knowledge. Now sit in front of the showstone and mentally impregnate it with an emerald green light. Concentrate on the question or purpose for conjuring this entity, fixing your eyes on the glass. It may cloud over with a cloudy mist, but do not shift your gaze. Hagio may appear to answer your questions or may reveal the answer through a series of images that unfold as the mist clears. Images may appear at the side of your gaze, but do not move your line of vision. This is of the utmost importance. The visions are fleeting and sometimes symbolic. They will finally stop forming and the glass will become cloudy. For the last time, place more incense in the thurible and terminate the conjuration with a license to depart. O oh, great Hagio, we have been pleased by thy presence, and now license thee depart in peace to thy proper sphere. And as my word, so mote it be. Under no circumstances leave the circle without doing this. This applies even if there are no visual signs of a successful evocation, for a spirit may have manifested itself in the form not immediately recognizable. Record carefully your visions for the future reference. Even the seemingly meaningless ones are often the basis for revelations when subjected to meditation at a later time. This basic procedure may be used for most other spirits, with modifications made for the type of intelligence involved and its sphere of influence. Shall we three meet again in thunder, lightning, or in rain? When the hurly-burly's done, when the battle's lost and won, there is foul and foul despair, hover through the fog and filthy air. But that's enough for now of modern witches who ride to sabbats in automobiles instead of astride the traditional broomstick, suffice it to know that magic is real, everywhere, unseen, unfathomable. From the end of time to the beginning of time, which are inseparable because they are the same, unbroken, a circle, the magic circle itself, the ancient and potent symbol of magic, the perfect mystery without beginning and without end. Suffice it to know that witchcraft is real, the old religion, infinitely older than Jehovah, God of the Christians, older even than the Tetragrammaton, 
the mystic four letters symbolizing the God of the Jews, whose name is too sacred to pronounce for fear of desecration, who has been called Adonai, my Lord, or Elohim, meaning God, since three centuries before Christ. Yes, witchcraft is alive and always has been, alive for thirty centuries before the first syllable of recorded time. Hecate, the pagan goddess of the moon, the earth, and the underworld, of hell, the dark goddess of magic, necromancy, and witchcraft, was first mentioned in literature, surviving literature, that is, by Hesiod, a Greek poet, who wrote the beginnings of the world and the birth of the gods. He wrote of Hecate eight centuries before the birth of Christ. And how many centuries old was she then? <laughs> he didn't say. We can only guess. The ancient Egyptian Book of the Dead is filled with magic instructions, charms and spells, which were written between 500 and 3,000 years BC. The Old Testament is filled with witches and magic and prohibitions against them. And that one fatal sentence from the Book of Exodus, which was to be remembered and acted upon by the witch hunters for many centuries to come, Thou shalt not suffer a witch to live. Without any doubt, the greatest necromancer, Tamurpergist, astrologer, alchemist, and wizard of all time, was Solomon, king of Israel, the arch-magician. He became a legendary figure dominating the study and practice of magic for centuries to come, not only in the biblical lands, but throughout the world, in Ethiopia, Persia, India, China, and the length and breadth of Europe. It is written in ancient scrolls that Solomon drew his magic power from evil forces, having abandoned Almighty God. He worshipped Astoreth, or Asarte, goddess of love, fertility, and lust. In the book of the Kings, we read that Solomon had 700 wives and 300 concubines. I wonder if you've noticed one very important thing, the inalienable connection between women and witchcraft. Hecate, the ancient deity of the craft, is not a god, but a goddess. The Malleus Maleficarum, or Hammer of the Witches, published in 1486, was the official guide of the Catholic Church for the persecution and extinction of witches. It states that all witchcraft springs from carnal desire, which in women is insatiable. And so to satisfy their lust, they consort even with demons. Woman by her nature is a creature of enchantment. By the fineness of her intuitions, the cunning of her wiles, she is always a witch. She, not man, is the mother of fancy, the mother of the gods. She possesses glimpses of a second sight. Her spirit has wings to soar into the infinite of longing and imagination. The paganism of ancient Greece, a bright and strong and vigorous religion, begins with a sibyl, a virgin, beautiful, brilliant in the full blaze of dawn, and ends with a sorceress. Thousands of years later, a hideous old crone on heaths and in forests, hunted like a wild beast, chased from street to street, reviled, buffeted, stoned, and burned at the stake. What an insult. 
What a profound and horrible injustice. The witch is the high priestess of the old faith, of the old religion, and the Christian priest, with his vows of chastity, realizes clearly where the danger lies. The old woman who heals with herbs is an enemy, a menacing rival. New punishments were devised for her special benefit, new torments invented. Witches are brought to trial en masse, condemned to death on the slightest pretext or none at all. Bakabe, Laka Bakabe, Lamak Kahi Akababe, Karelios, Lamak Namak Bakayas, Karabage Sabalios Bariolos, Lagos. Atha Kadiolas, Samarak et Kamiolas, Haraya. In nomine de nostre, Satanas, Lucifer, excelsis. In forces of darkness to bestow their infernal power upon us. Save us, Lord Satan, from the treacherous and the violent. Oh, Satan, spirit of the earth, God of liberty, open wide the gates of hell and come forth from the abyss by these names. Satan! Satan! Beelzebub! Beelzebub! Leviathan! Leviathan! Asmodeus! Abaddon! Abaddon! Satan's bidding, and schooled by his infernal ordinance, we make bold to say, Amen. Evil from us deliver but, temptation into not us lead, and us against trespass, those forgive we as, trespasses are us forgive, and bread daily our day this us give, heaven in is it as earth on, done he will die. Come, kingdom thy, name thy be hallowed, heaven in our true Father our. Children of my office,
From high matters, I spare time to preside over this gathering. By the favor of our Lord Satan, I have the power to grant your wishes, should it please me to do so. Waste no moment in unnecessary babbling, or you will incur my anger. Now, lift up your heads and tell me your desires. Who seeks entry here? One who repents her past heresies and craves to be accepted into the grace of our master Satan, designated by the Creator, Lord of this world from its beginning without end. Enter, penitent, that you may abase yourself before the only true God. Penitent, the opportunity is offered you to redeem your past. Do you desire to take it? Yes. Are you prepared to serve our Lord Satan with your whole mind, body, and soul, permitting nothing to deter you from the furtherance of his work? Yes. As proof that you have purged your mind of all false teaching, you will now break this crucifix and throw the pieces from you. Stand up and raise your left hand. Repeat after me, sentence by sentence, the words I am about to say. I deny Jesus Christ, the deceiver. I deny Jesus Christ, the deceiver. And I abjure the Christian faith, holding in contempt all of its works. And I abjure the Christian faith, holding in contempt all of its works. By the symbol of the Creator, I swear henceforth to be. By the symbol of the Creator, I swear henceforth to be a faithful servant of his most puissant archangel, the Prince Lucifer. A faithful servant of his most puissant archangel, the Prince Lucifer. Whom the Creator designated as his regent and lord of this world. Whom the Creator designated as his regent and lord of this world. As a being now possessed of a human body in this world. As a being now possessed of a human body in this world. I swear to give my full allegiance to its lawful master. I swear to give my full allegiance to its lawful master. To worship him, our Lord Satan, and no other. To worship him, our Lord Satan, and no other. To despise all man-made religions and to bring contempt upon them whenever possible. To despise all man-made religions and to bring contempt upon them whenever possible. To undermine the faith of others in such false religions wherever possible. To undermine the faith of others in such false religions wherever possible. And bring them to the true faith when desirable. And bring them to the true faith when desirable. I swear to give my mind, body, and soul unreservedly. I swear to give my mind, body, and soul unreservedly. To the furtherance of the designs of our Lord Satan to the furtherance of the designs of our Lord Satan. If I ever betray my oath, I do now decree. If I ever betray my oath, I do now decree. To have my throat cut, my tongue and heart torn out. To have my throat cut, my tongue and heart torn out. And to be buried in the sand of the ocean, that the waves of it may carry me away into an eternity of oblivion. And to be buried in the sand of the ocean, that the waves of it may carry me away into an eternity of oblivion. If you ever break this oath, we shall pronounce sentence upon you in the name of our Lord Satan that you shall fall into dangerous disease and leprosy and that in the sign of his vengeance you shall perish by a terrifying and horrible death. Yes. I am a witch. Whenever I say that, 
people ask me questions like, how do you know you're a witch? When did you find out you were a witch? When they say things like this, I know that they know nothing at all about witchcraft. For being a witch is something you decide to do, not something that just happens to you if you're lucky. Oh, I was fortunate, for I was born into a family where witchcraft was a tradition. My mother was a witch, my grandmother, and her grandmother before her. In fact, we can trace our family background in witchcraft to somewhere in the 14th century in northern Scotland. At that time, there were three main cults of witches, the red, the blue, and the green. My family belonged to the green witch cult. It was traditional at that time for witches to smear vegetable coloring on their faces to identify with a particular cult to which they belong. And that's the reason that I, to this day, put green food coloring on my skin for particular occasions. But being born into a family with this kind of background did not make me a witch. I became a witch when I joined a coven. A coven is a group of anywhere from two to 13 people who practice in the tradition of the old religion of witchcraft. This religion is very, very old. It goes back to pre-Christian, pre-Jewish times, to the very beginnings of civilization. There are many Johnny-come-lately covens around today, people who want to be witches and can't get into a traditional coven have started forming their own. This is all right, I suppose. It is possible to practice magic without being a witch. And I'm going to show you how on this record. But I do object to people without the traditional belief calling themselves witches. And I wish they'd find another name like warlock or wizard or sorceress or something of this sort because a true witch is one who belongs to a coven that practices in that established tradition of the centuries. There are three main tenets to the belief of witchcraft. The first is a belief in a universal source of power from which we all come and to which we will all return. We believe that we have this power within us and that we can call on it both from within and without whenever need be. The second tenet of our belief is that of reincarnation. This means that we believe that each person has lived through many lives before this and will live through many in the future. This is important to us because it is part of our belief that eventually when we reach perfection, we will be able to be reunited with the source from which we came. But we believe it is impossible to reach this state of perfection in only one lifetime.
Now, these two things, the belief in a universal power, the belief in reincarnation, do not make witches very different from anyone else. The thing that makes people look upon us like we were creatures from another world is the third tenet of our belief, and that is magic. My definition for magic is anything that works that science has not been able to explain. Let me give you an example. There's an old fairy tale called Beauty and the Beast, with which most of you are probably familiar. And there's a passage in that fairy tale that I used to love very much as a child. It describes the entry of Beauty's father into the palace of the beast for the first time. It goes something like this. The doors were opened by unseen hands. The room was lighted as if by a thousand candles. And there were no candles there. And suddenly, a voice spoke to him out of nowhere. I used to listen to this and think it was the greatest kind of magic. And now, you know it happens to every one of us every time we go to the store. The doors are opened by unseen hands and electric eye. The room is lighted as if by a thousand candles. No candles there, fluorescent lights. And suddenly, a voice speaks to us out of nowhere, telling us to try their strawberries. They're on sale today. The PA system. Now, we don't think of these things as magic because we understand what makes them work. The same thing is true of a transistor radio. We take these very much for granted. But imagine when your grandmother was a small child, if someone had given her a little black box that she could hold in the palm of her hand and turn the little dial and hear voices speaking to her from all over the world at that very moment that they were uttering these sounds. And not only that, but on certain days, she could even hear men talking on the moon. Oh, wouldn't that have been magic? But we don't think so. Transistor radio magic is one of the most common that we have. Now, I personally do not see anything more mystical or magical or unbelievable about the idea of a thought wave traveling from my mind to yours. neither bond nor free. The high priest binds one of the initiate's ankles. In other religions, the postulant kneels while the priest tars above him. But in the art magical, we are taught to be humble. And so we kneel to welcome them. And we say, blessed be thy feet, brought in these ways. He kisses her right foot and then her left, 
Blessed be thy knees that shall kneel at the sacred altar. This is her right knee and then her left. Blessed be thy womb without which we would not be. This is her womb. Blessed be thy breasts formed in beauty. Her right breast and her left breast. Blessed be thy lips that shall utter the sacred names. And finally he kisses her lips. This completes the five-fold salute. Now he binds both her feet together with the cord which was attached to her ankle. Now I'm going to take your measure. And we measure you from the crown of your head to the soles of your feet. But because you came into our circle with two perfect passwords, perfect love, and perfect trust. And we received you with a further password of a kiss. We return the measure to you and charge you to wear it upon your arm as a signet. In the old days, if you had wanted to escape from the covenant, at the same time that your measure was being taken, you would have had hair clippings and nail clippings taken away from your body. And if you had tried to break away from that covenant, the witches would have worked with them and they would have dragged you back to that covenant and you would never have escaped. But you're free to come and go as your conscience dictates. The red thread, which is the measure of the initiate length, is tied round her left arm. The Bewitchment of Human Beings by Incubus and Succubus Devils. Also, ways in which the devil's power is hindered. With regard to the bewitchment of human beings by means of Incubus and Succubus Devils, it is to be noted that this can happen in three ways. First, as in the case of witches themselves, when women voluntarily prostitute themselves to incubus devils. Secondly, when men have connection with succubus devils. Yet it does not appear that men thus devilishly fornicate with the same full degree of culpability. For men, being by nature intellectually stronger than women, are more apt to abhor such practices. Thirdly, it may happen that men or women are by witchcraft entangled with incubi or succubi against their will. This chiefly happens in the case of certain virgins who are molested by incubus devils wholly against their will. And it would seem that such are bewitched by witches who, just as they very often cause other infirmities, cause devils to molest such virgins in the form of incubi for the purpose of seducing them into joining their vile company. Let us give an example. There is in the town of Koblenz a poor man who is bewitched in this way. In the presence of his wife, he is in the habit of acting after the manner of men with women, that is to say, of practicing coition, as it were, and he continues to do this repeatedly. 
nor have the cries and urgent appeals of his wife any effect in making him desist. And after he has fornicated thus two or three times, he calls out, We are going to start all over again. When actually, there is no person visible to mortal sight lying with him. And after an incredible number of such bouts, the poor man at last sinks to the floor exhausted. When he has recovered his strength a little and is asked how this has happened to him and whether he has had any woman with him, he answers that he saw nothing, but that his mind is in some way possessed so that he can by no means refrain from such priapism. The gods of the right-hand path have bickered and quarreled for an entire age of Earth. Each of these deities and their respective priests and ministers have attempted to find wisdom in their own lives. The ice age of religious thought can last but a limited time in this great scheme of human existence. The gods of wisdom defiled have had their saga, and their millennium hath become as reality. Each with their own divine path to paradise hath accused the other of heresies and spiritual indiscretions. The ring of the Nibelungen doth carry an everlasting curse, but only because those who seek it think in terms of good and evil, themselves being at all times good. The gods of the past have become as their own devils in order to live. Feebly they play the devil's game to fill their tabernacles and pay the mortgages on their temples. Alas, too long have they studied righteousness, and poor and incompetent devils they make, so they all join hands in brotherly unity, and in their desperation go to Valhalla for their last great ecumenical council. Draweth near in the gloom the twilight of the gods, the ravens of night have flown forth to summon Loki, who hath set Valhalla aflame with the searing trident of the Inferno. The twilight is done. A glow of new light is born out of the night, and Lucifer is risen once more to proclaim, This is the age of Satan. Satan rules the earth. The gods of the rotten are dead. This is the morning of magic and undefiled wisdom. The flesh prevaileth, and a great church shall be builded, consecrated in its name. No longer shall man's salvation be dependent on his self-denial, and it shall be known that the world of the flesh and the living shall be the greatest preparation for any and all eternal delights. Regi Satanas, Ave Satanas, Hail Satan! In this arid wilderness of steel and stone, I raise up my voice that you may hear to the east and to the west I beckon, 
To the north and to the south I show a sign proclaiming death to the weakling, wealth to the strong. Open your eyes that you may see, O men of mildewed minds, and listen to me, ye bewildered millions. For I stand forth to challenge the wisdom of the world, to interrogate the laws of man and of God. I request reasons for your golden rule, and ask the why and wherefore of your Ten Commands. Before none of your printed idols do I bend in acquiescence, and he who saith thou shalt to me is my mortal foe. I dip my forefinger in the watery blood of your impotent man, redeemer, and write over his thorn-torn brow, the true prince of evil, the king of the slaves. No hoary falsehood shall be a truth to me. No stifling dogma shall encramp my pen. I break away from all conventions which are not those which leadeth to my earthly success and happiness. I raise up in stern invasion the standard of the strong. I gaze into the glassy eye of your fearsome Jehovah and pluck him by the beard. I uplift a broad axe and split open his worm-eaten skull. I blast out the ghastly contents of philosophically whited sepulchers and laugh with sardonic wrath. Oh, 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 oh,
your red robe will be used for making offerings to Satan. These days the offerings consist mostly of fruit and stuff, but in the old days, red robes symbolized the blood sacrifices, ranging from a drop of blood in a goblet of wine to the slaying of a small animal. In the really rough cults, some of which still exist, blood sacrifices can extend to the eating of small infants born to a witch made pregnant by the high priest or another male member. Your black robe will be used for meditation and beckoning Satan. That's right, gang, beckoning Satan. And it's not unusual for Satan or some of his demons to appear and give the cult whatever it is they're asking for. They usually use a chant to call Satan on the first days of a black sabbat. Let me describe the scene, and then I'll lay the chant on you. In the center of a dark room, there's a pentagram, and it has salt sprinkled around it as a protective shield. In a circle around the pentagram sits a coven of up to 13 witches and warlocks wearing black robes. Black candles and musk incense are burning. As the high priest or priestess begins to chant, the members join hands and begin to rock slowly back and forth. As the spirit of the chant moves them, they begin to sing with the priest or priestess. As the volume of the chant increases, they begin to rock faster. The volume and the rocking keep increasing until Satan or a demon arises from the pentagram. Satan or his demon may come in any body form. Man, woman, animal, half and half. But when he arises, the chant comes to an immediate halt, and Satan or his demons ask why they were beckoned. The chant that gets this job done is called De Mayo De Mayo. De Mayo De Mayo, De Mayo De Mayo De Mayo, De Mayo. De Mayo, de Mayo, Sicula than de Mayo, de Mayo, de Mayo, Sicula than de Mayo. De Mayo, de Mayo, Sicula than de Mayo, de Mayo, de Mayo, Sicula than de Mayo. De Mayo, de Mayo, Sicula than de Mayo, de Mayo, de Mayo, Sicula than de Mayo. De Mayo, de Mayo, the 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 mayo, Do modern people really call forth Satan or demons? We beckoned this demon, and uh, he appeared to us. Uh, there was about 
seven people in the room. And we were sitting around the table. And the room was full of spirits and uh, different, different demons. Uh, we had placed ourselves in, inside a circle. The table was also round. And uh, we created a circle around us for protection. What did it look like? What was its name? I don't recall his name. I recall what he looked like. Uh, he was mostly shadow, but uh, he reminded me of a, his face physically reminded me of sea robin. Uh, sea robin is a form of fish uh, that has uh, like gills sticking out from the sides mm -hmm. and uh, a thing on the top. It had uh, a fish-like mouth coming down uh, very thin. The nose was, was, wasn't was really extremely long, but it was pointed. The eyes had no look at, in them at all. There was nothing there. It didn't hurt you in any way? No, because we had this shield around us. If you wouldn't have had the shield, what do you think would have happened? Uh, possibly uh, we would have tried to take over one of our bodies uh, by physically entering the body and pushing, pushing the spirit out. Satan and his demons are frequent visitors to the black occults that exist in every city across this land. You just don't hear about it because witches and warlocks are afraid to make public their beliefs, so they keep quiet, but not for much longer. If you're going to join a black occult, you're going to need black and red candles with individual matching holders, also a sconce that has either nine candle holders or 13. Musk incense is the favorite in a black occult, and you'll need black and red burners. You must have offering bowls and a container, usually gold, filled with holy water. The holy water is kept for blessing personal belongings and can be either salt water from the ocean or homemade, one tablespoon of salt to one cup of water. It can also be urine from the high priestess or black witches mixed in with the semen from the high priest, or it can be water stolen from the local Catholic church. You should also have some ashes of a Christian that's right, the ashes of a Christian. But this doesn't have to be Aunt Maud fried to a crisp, although in the old days, and maybe in some of today's kinky occults, that's what it was all about. Just take a container with a tight cap. Fill it halfway with the very fine white powdery ashes from any fire. Then take this container down to a river or lake and immerse it in the water and say, I baptize you in the name of Satan, Beelzebub, and Mephistopheles. After anything is baptized, it's considered Christian, and it's a lot easier than trying to hold Aunt Maud down as you set her on fire. The ashes of a Christian are kept for good luck and used at black sabbats to bless the members of the coven, just as Catholics use ashes on Ash Wednesday. Seduce your lover with a special charm from Sicily. It's a primitive charm of blood. Sicilian members of the Black Hand cult believe that a few drops of your own blood mixed with that of your lover's food or drink will bind the two of you through eternity. So potent is the known effect that it's not considered necessary for your lover to know the spell is being cast. Beware. Unless there is true love, it can be devastating to capture your lover in this way. 
Turkish enchanters use the sexual seduction spell because it generates wild, exciting pulsations that create delightful physical involvements without the weight of obsessed emotional madness. This one's my favorite. You will need salt, coarse, sprinkle it in a circle about you. Remain within its protection for the entire length of the ritual. Light one large red candle on parchment. Write the name and birth date of the love object. Now to be sure that you'll be the one who holds the balance of power, write your name and birth date on top of theirs. The spell will work after you have performed the ritual for nine consecutive days. Place the parchment into the candle flame, and as it slowly burns, chant three times the incantation. Light the flame. Bright the fire. Red is the color of desire. Light the flame. Bright the fire. Red is the color of desire. Light the flame. Bright the fire. Red is the color of desire. Bulgarian witches say that if you're looking for greater sexual opportunities, with pure silver three times tap crystal, and nine times ring a small Slavonian terracotta bell. But Finnish fascinators claim that if your home has candles burning brightly, you'll be visited by Mary Whitnimps nightly. Chinese spellcasters have a fantastic formula for an unusual form of lovemaking. They have a spell that will enable you to travel through dream dimensions without leaving your bed. You will be able to project yourself completely and make love realistically with a lover who may be a great distance from you. With this drawn sleep ritual, consider the variety of adventures possible. To begin, Draw a white chalk protective circle around your bed. Place a live turtle under the foot of your bed and three fresh mint leaves in your pillowcase. Before retiring, light three blue candles and let them flame for one hour. When you blow out the candles, ring a bronze bell once and then nine times whisper, Orpheus. If your partner is sexy enough, but projects little warmth, and warmth is what you desire, then you could use the emotional bondage spell. Are you and your lover sexually compatible? If not, it would be ridiculous for you to consider becoming emotionally chained. 
The bondage spell is dangerous. And many times the conjurer too gets conjured. It's fairly simple. You take a photograph, a bit of hair, or some intimate items belonging to the love object, such as a shirt or undergarments. You place them in the center of a table. Three candles, one yellow, one orange, and one red, should surround the treasures. Burn incense, your favorite. Light the candles. And for nine full minutes, gaze at the symbolic representation of your lover. Ring a clear silver bell three times and cover the intimate area with 47 yellow blossoms. Chant 47 times. We are one. We are one. 